pops up a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some moody clips of popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon, sometimes I'll let the dogs come on, contests and of course you know it's all about games, I said slow down, let's just start with the name, it's the Nerds RPG Variety With the other, Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Thank you for joining me today. This is pretty much a call-in episode. I'm clearing out my backlog, got a bunch of calls, which I love. Keep the calls coming in. Just sometimes they get backed up a little bit and I need to get them out. But it worked out pretty well thematically because most of these callers are disagreeing with me or, or, or arguing a point. So it's kind of all contentious stuff. Nothing really bad, but... It fits well enough under the controversy corner, so I'm happy to that that worked out. Um, I do want to say that you know because things have gotten a little chaotic for me lately, I've had some kerfuffles in podcasting. My last episode got published accidentally without all the parts. I had to pull it down, put it back up, and then because it took me over a week to put that episode together, I ended up making a mistake and. You know, I didn't change one of the recordings that I recorded really early on, and I made it sound like I didn't play any games this past weekend, um, March 19th and 20th. I did play games there, but I didn't play the games the previous weekend. (laughs) So this past weekend, I got to play in DCC again. We finished up the Echoes of Fomahawk campaign that Carl Rodriguez has been doing. Great, great game, great players, and we're going to move on to some advanced OSC run by... BJ, the Arcane Alias podcast. Also got to play in another session of Wrath of the Righteous Pathfinder 1 Adventure Path run by Joe Richter. Another great game. Lots of fun. So I'm happy with that. Later on the day I'm recording this, the 21st of March, I'm going to be playing in a rule cyclopedia game run by Joe Salvador of Raven Guy Games. And I'm also really looking forward to that. So I am getting some gaming in. Luckily, no recaps or anything great to tell you well the games are all great but i don't have any experiences to tell you about i did rewatch carry to the rage which is maybe the most 90s movie ever but it has some pretty good kills in it actually and it's actually probably i like chloe grace moretz quite a bit i think she's a great actress but i think if i was going to rewatch two carry movies it'd be the original brian de palma with sissy spacek and carry to the rage i think i'd skip the tv remake and i'd skip the x-men origins carry movie that chloe grace moretz was in that's just me though okay now let's get on to these calls oh wait before i get into the calls i do want to say you still have time to enter my contest so i have a contest going on this month i want to know what game have you not been able to play what game do you really want to play that you never got to the table? It could be an RPG, a board game, a card game, no video games, please. But let me know what games you really would like to play you've never never been able to play because you could never find a copy or you can never find players or nobody run it for you. you. You know, just let me know. Call in and I will take all the calls and play them. 
in the award show on April 1st, but I will take a random winner, and that random winner will get a $20 drive-thru RPG gift certificate and $20 to their favorite charity. So it's a win-win situation. I get to hear what game is your white whale. Thank you to Graham, a gaming from the first age for the term white whale. I get to hear your white whale, and you get to have a chance to give your charity some money and buy something from drive-thru or, you know, win something from drive-thru RPG. So great stuff. You have till March 31st, midnight New York time to get me those entries. You can leave a message using Anchor. You can send an email to nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on the discords. If you attach an audio file, I can play it on the air and make you famous. Please get those entries in. I look forward to hearing them. And now let's get into these calls. I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think it's controlling and unduly sadistic to not let a player know the health of their tune. Um, if you don't want to use hit points, use wounds. I think games do that too. And you can keep, you know, that you've taken enough damage from an attack to take a wound. Um, and then you have, you know, you have X number of wounds. So then you might mitigate it a little better. Your idea of, um, staying in a combat or not but i mean i don't know i don't why hide things i mean for monsters sure in vtt we have you know i try to put bars so the players know kind of generally how the monster is doing but uh it's also more onus on the gm to remember to say oh this creature's bloodied or the character is bloodied but i think it's a bad idea and kind of mean-spirited Carl, thank you so much for that call. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'm curious what other people think. I had talked about hidden hit points on a previous show. The idea that the GM keeps track of the player's hit points. The players don't know what their hit points are. And then the GM would use terms like bloodied, maybe, which would mean like you're at three quarters hit points. And then wounded, like you're at half hit points. And then severely wounded, you have a quarter of your hit points left. Something like that. And Carl says, no, I hate it. And it's mean. You're being an asshole, Jason. That's what Carl says. But I'm putting words in his mouth just a little bit. But you heard what he really said. But I'm curious. What does everybody else think about that? Bad idea? Not worth doing? So, Carl, I'm curious. If you're playing a game like what Che's doing over at Roleplay Rescue, where the GM's controlling your character sheet and everything else, so you're not even rolling dice or anything, would you consider that mean spirit as well? Or is that different if it's just the hit points you can't see? I'm kind of curious about that. Okay, on to the next caller. Hey, Jason, it's BJ. I um, I think you made some really excellent points when it comes to being respectful with um, real-world religions. Um, but I think one thing that's kind of interesting in, in, in part of this discussion is if you look at the original Legends and Lore or deities and demigods, and then it was they changed the name to legends and lore. Um, you're right; they did go out of their way to not include uh, Christian, Jewish, or or Islamic uh, any kind of a you know D and D version of that religion or that 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 uh, faith. But um, but they included the Hindu faith and treated it as, as as Hindu mythology or Hindu gods, which you know Hindu is that that. Religion is, I think, it's the oldest religion in the world, but it's still practiced. So I wonder, maybe that's something else we, we in, in retrospect, ought to be avoided because it is a real world. I think so, BJ. At least for me personally, I think any 
religion that's actively in use today probably should be avoided at the gaming table, at least by me. Now, again, I'm not telling other people how to do their thing by any means, but yeah, there's a ton of people out there, you know, Hindu Sikhs or what I, I, I can't even speak that intelligently about, you know, that, but I will say that if it's an active religion, and again, now we bring up the question, well, you, you know, you have Wiccans and you have Odinists or Asatru and you have a bunch of other people that do worship some of these guys that we often use in our games. Do we count those? I mean, you know, at some point it's kind of a touchy subject, right? If we're going to exclude Christianity and we're going to exclude Judaism and Islam and, you know, the Hindu religion, do we include Odinism when, you know, there are a bunch of Odinists out there? And yes, you're going to have people say, oh, well, they're all neo-Nazis that do that. Well, I, I don't think they're all neo-Nazis that worship, that are, worship Odin, right? I, I think that's an oversimplification, just like saying all Wiccans worship the devil, because obviously they don't. There, there's a big difference between that, between your Anthony LaVey, Church of Satan kind of thing, and your standard Wiccan coven. But they're out there, so do we use those in our games? I don't know, man. I. I just know what I'm kind of comfortable with, and I think your points on Hinduism are well-received by me personally. But again, different gaming groups need to do what's comfortable for their gaming group. But on the same topic, we have a comment from Joe of Hindsightless. Yo, dude, so I agree with you that if a group of 40-something-year-old white dudes sat down to play as a group of, like, teenage african-american girls there probably would be a problem there uh but that's a little different than the religion discussion because religion is a choice your age your race your gender your disabilities none of that are choices so there there's a difference there quite a big difference actually uh i i also don't think our society says it's cool to make fun of christianity but not other religions our society makes fun of other religions all the time. <laughs> All the time, man. Anyway, dude, great stuff. Peace out. Hey, Joe. So it's tricky, right? You're right. Religion is a choice because you can't choose what ethnicity you are, but you do choose what religion you are. But all those things are still protected legally, and legally they're considered the same thing as far as protections. And they're also all things that people feel very strongly about, and it can be offended over. And I don't want to offend people. You know, I don't want to have the reaction. I don't want people to have the reaction that we see Brandon Scott Lee have in the movie Dragon, that I played that clip in that other show. You know, I don't, well, I linked to that clip. I didn't play it on the air. But, you know, I don't want to offend people if I can help it. And so if by not playing their real life religion, when, when, you know, pretending I'm a member of that and then taking it kind of tongue in cheek, by not doing that, if I can avoid offending some people, I would rather do that. Just like, I don't, I'm not saying you can't play somebody else's religion in a game respectively, because you can play it and be respectful. It is possible to do a hundred percent, just like it's possible for me to play a female character and be respectful of that. It definitely is possible, but I, I think the religion thing is just a a mind a landmine that I, I want to avoid. So that's a personal decision on me. Not saying what anybody else should do.
We've all heard the solo podcasts, we know the names of the legendary anchorites, but now the Hydra of Discord, the polyphony of podcasting quarrels, join together into a single podcast, Cerebravore, a bi-weekly show where a rotating cast of podcasters discuss a variety of tabletop role-playing topics. Cerebravore, it'll devour your mind. Coming soon to podcatchers everywhere. Hey there, dude. It's Johnny from the Red Dice Diaries. Just listening to your call-in episode that you've recently published. And I thought it was interesting what you had to say about the the terms used for gatekeeping. And I'm on a, I'm on a sort of agree-to-disagree sort of tip at the minute. Because I agree with you, having more specific agreed-on terms would be much better and would enable further conversation. I think the only problem is, it comes down to is, how do you arrive at the agreed definition of terms? Because we've constantly seen people saying like, oh, well, people use the term OSR, for instance, for everything until it doesn't mean anything. But unfortunately, because there's no like centralised authority, if you, if you want to use those terms, I'm sure it's not perfect, but you know what I mean, to actually say this is the meaning of it i don't think we're ever going to arrive at a an agreed upon definition of all these terms so while i agree it's a great idea i don't ever think we're going to get there unfortunately so to use a ridiculous example if i publish an osr game that was to do with uh, a number of orange segments revolting against the oppressive rule of the orange peel and i called it the orange segment revolution that wouldn't meet the definition of OSR that we all sort of understand now. But I can go, well, that, that's what I think it means. And there's no, like, authority or anybody saying, no, that, that's not really what it means. And, yeah, that's a ridiculous hyperbolic example, obviously. But I'm hoping in my ramblings you see what I mean. Because the, it's not like we can just look in a dictionary for these terms and go, yes, that's what it means. So I don't think we'll ever get there, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep discussing it. Great episode, dude. Take care, and I'll catch you soon. I am fine with agreeing to disagree. I fully accept that gatekeeping is a for example, is a multifaceted term. I just think things get muddied when that one term is used kind of universally. It's like player skill. Yes, player skill is everything from having a shower before you come to the game to how well you know the rules. But I, I think it helps if we use it more different terms to talk about the cleanliness you bring and the kind of humor you use at the table and how well you know the rules and if you're a team player. And I, I think it's helpful if we break those down instead of using one blanket term for all those things. You, you know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm coming from. But you know who else had thoughts on this? James Schrall of the wonderful Subclass Act Solo Play podcast. So let's hear what James has to say. Hey Jason, this is James from Subclass Act. I'm just finally catching up on some episodes I'm way behind um, because I don't have a commute anymore and so finding time to listen to podcasts is sometimes tricky. So there's probably going to be several messages in a row, by the way, because of the time limit uh, on Anchor. But I wanted to respond to a few things. Um, I was really enjoying one of your episodes on AD&D uh, First Edition, which I'm completely 100% unqualified to talk about. Um, so I'm going to respond to some of the other stuff in there. Um, and it's kind of all related. It's on, you know, it was part of the gatekeeping conversation um, and also like with the, the alignment and things like that. 
And for me, well, I'm gonna, I'm about to run into the time limit, but I'll kind of start it out. I think it's I think it's societal, as was mentioned, um, and I think the difficulties with those two things are kind of related, um, you know. So I, that's probably gonna have to be in the next uh, the next segment, though. I think that uh, well, so I'm predisposed, I think, in general, to with you know my my worldview to think that the world is upside down uh, and backwards. But um, I think that's really what it comes down to, both with the gatekeeping. I, I think in general, people are trying to make things that are nuanced black and white and things that are black and white uh, nuanced and things are just backwards. So, you know, gatekeeping can be a positive and a negative and I agree with that. And now I understand you wanting to use the term only for the negative and, and that's fine. I just think that people are trying to pin things as being universally good or universally bad, which is what's ironic about the alignment thing uh, because then they, then they remove alignment from case. So, well, well, things aren't universe, you know, things aren't black and white, but yeah, there's definitely some irony there, I think. Um, but I, I think that alignment can be helpful in games. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not for everybody's game. Uh, next part, I guess. I think that uh, I really like the way that Dungeon World does it. For example, um, each of the different playbooks or classes, whichever you want to call it, um, has the way that their alignment can be expressed. So, you know, if a barbarian is chaotic... Well, actually, I think they only have an outsider, so that's a bad example. But... Um, you know, different classes will have something like, um, you know, if you're chaotic and then a short snippet of what that means, you know, eschewing conventions of the modern world or the whatever. That is, I, I think that can be helpful. It can add sort of role-playing guardrails that helps guide you towards things. You know, in Fate, it would be like aspects. I, there's different things, I think, for each game. So it's not that you have to have alignment specifically for that to work. I just think it's ironic that everybody's trying to make everything all muddled again. Uh, you know, it's the same with classes, and I agree that, you know, in uh, 5e, which I enjoy, and Pathfinder, which I also enjoy, you know, everybody can do magic, there's all this and that. I think the real thing is to get your fiction sorted in your world, in your game. I do think it's the, the social media kind of part of that, um, you know, it just makes us lose nuance and everything. Everything is always universally good or universally bad, and I think that that's silly, and there should be able to be, you know, nuance to things. Uh, I think that's really what it comes down to. So, of course, there's some, you know, some gatekeeping is going to be um, necessary in this in the sense of like the session zero and and you know figuring out your fiction and what works for that game. You know, that's totally that's totally acceptable. Um, and you know, alignment may not be perfect for every game, but removing it from D and D specifically is kind of silly because the fiction is trying to emulate. It just makes sense to have those role playing guardrails. So. I don't know. I think it's funny. I just think it's everything is, is backwards. People want to make things that are clear, unclear, and things that are unclear, clear. Uh, so this is the rambling of a madman. So I don't know if you can use any of this, Jason, but here you go. I haven't called in a while, and I'm out of practice. I'm in trouble if that was the rambling of a madman, because it all made sense to me, James. I thought you brought up some really good points. Definitely... And and my I don't. it's not that I want gatekeeping to just be bad, the bad things... I just want to have a way to differentiate when I'm talking about bad gatekeeping from appropriate gatekeeping, right? I, I, I just want to have more direct terms so there's not confusion in what we're talking about. That That's where I'm coming from there. But I think you make a lot of great points, a lot of great comments there, and I'm really happy that you called in. Please do not hesitate to call in in the future. If you need a way to stay in, in practice of calling into shows, Please use my show to do that. I love your calls. 
and I love your show. People, if you're not watching Subclass Act, it's it's a really I'm sorry, if you're not listening to Subclass Act, it's a really great podcast, solo play podcast. He alternates between different gaming systems and different oracles, different um GM emulators. Really, really fun show. Check it out. Next up is another podcast with a fun show who we've already heard from this episode. Carl Rodriguez of the Geomologist Presents. He is going to talk about Julius Caesar. Hey, Jason. So while Caesar did not make himself tyrant, he did create, well, there is a position in the Roman government called dictator. And effectively, a few months before he was assassinated, he made himself dictator in perpetuity. He had previously made himself dictator for once and then for 10 years and then it was in perpetuity and uh, he had also messed up a few other traditions such as uh, making himself counsel uh, for more than one year in a row so the senate definitely did not like it however i will say that the uh, senate miscalculated they felt that um, the people the populace would see caesar as uh quote-unquote king, to become a tyrant, which was an anathema in Rome. But because of all the reforms he did, uh, the least of not which was reforming the calendar, which helped a lot of the lower classes, the merchant classes, trader classes, to make things more regular. Um, The only people who really didn't like what he was doing were the Senate because it cut into their power base. So uh, that's why they killed him. And very interestingly, um, yeah, I think Antony kind of watched it all burn. And then when, you know, he kind of played up on uh, the popularity of Caesar and then eventually all those senators were uh, who were the conspirators were killed, um, kicked out of Rome, exiled from Rome, tracked down and then uh, beat up and defeated um, in various battles. And then Octavian, his heir, took over. So, you know. I, you know, people call him a tyrant and a propagandist, but uh, he did a lot of good that while sure it, it made him and his family very wealthy and set up his legacy, it also helped uh, the common people more than it continued to, to give to the upper class, which was the Senate. So um, I think they, I tend to agree with M.W. Lewis. There's definitely more nuance there. But I don't think he was just a mad, evil tyrant who, you know, beat the crap out of the Gauls and tried to beat up the Britons. Um, yeah, the Todeberg Forest happened during Octavian's reign. Uh, so, sure, they knew about the Germanic tribes. And he had actually uh, made this huge bridge across the Rhine uh, to say he could do it. And he beat back some of the Germanic tribes and then uh, took the bridge apart because, uh, well, he was Caesar and he could do so. So, yeah, one of the probably world changers in history, huh? Or Western history, at least. Carl, thank you so much for that call. I really appreciate it. Carl, of course, was responding to M.W. Lewis's defense of Julius Caesar. Okay, folks, that's all I have for you today. I want to thank all my callers. I really appreciate you calling in. As you can tell, I don't care if you agree with me or not. I am happy to play your calls, and I'm happy to have these conversations. Next episode, I plan to do an actual play and tutorial for Sword Play 
a two hours war game skirmish game. So watch out for that. Again, as always, I want to thank Ray Otis for the Coffee Cup Clip Art, TJ Drainer for the wonderful music, all my callers, everybody that interacts with me on Discord or, or any other way. And especially I want to thank you, the listener, that don't call in or don't interact for just tuning in and spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to everybody soon. Take care. Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. There is a dustman in your moilers by the tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood shipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world is gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck